and welcome to the Well-Read Podcast, a bi-weekly discussion on books and reading. I'm Hallie. And I'm Anne. And we are librarians at the Beaufort County Library in South Carolina. And this week we're going to be discussing short stories, collections of short stories, which I don't think either of us read very much of. Is no, this true, not Anne? very often. Yeah. Um, but we thought we'd give it a give it a shot yeah it's fun um, to read it's out of, out, of, or out of our comfort zone yeah so why would you think it's out of your comfort why would you say it's out of your comfort zone because I'm prejudiced against them because I have read a lot of New Yorker short stories uh-huh. that really bored me so that's so anytime I think short stories I tend to think of something that's super literary and super um kind of um indiscernible in in its oh, message and okay. and that and it's it's not to say I don't enjoy those when I find one that I that I think it really speaks to me. Mm-hmm. But there have been many like I used to subscribe to the New Yorker. It was mm-hmm. my like like hipster. This is um, when you're still a pretentious reader and yeah, super pretentious. <laughs> um, and so I not that you have to be pretentious to read the New Yorker. No, no, no but but this was this, this was, your... was probably. Um, and so I I had the subscription. and I would get through these like twenty page articles about archaeology in Greece or the Iraq War, and then I'd get to this this short story and think. Oh yay, short story. That sounds so fun. And then it would just be like just so so dense and so um like trying to be witty and and there, I just had a, a few bad experiences. Mm-hmm. And I that's not to say I didn't have good experiences with that, mm-hmm. but they that sort of colored my vision of it. So I never read short stories mm-hmm. as a result. That's just a complete prejudice on my yeah. part. It's not for any good reason other than um I think that I forget sometimes that you can have genre short stories right. and and collections of or even just just one-off short stories mm-hmm. that are that are really um just, just kind of goofy and fun mm-hmm. and 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 light and and that's just not what I think of when I think of a short story. Yeah, I, well, it's funny because when we chose this topic, I was thinking, oh gosh, I'm really going to have to struggle to come up with mm-hmm. three that I recommend because yeah. I think I, you know I thought, well, I've read more than that, I'm sure, but three collections that I really loved and recommended. But then I had a hard time narrowing it down to three. That's so which exciting, was really surprising to me because for me, it's, this is going to sound really silly. I have two reasons that I'm not typically picking up short story collections. First, because sort of the same as you, they can be kind of intimidating because they always feel very literary, mm-hmm. and I always feel kind of like I'm missing something right. that I should like be getting. Like it would be great in a class. I would right. love like to read them in class. Like if were explaining them to me. Yeah, exactly. So that's sort of my first. Making thing. us sound very dumb right now. We're, we're, I know. Yeah, we we like literary things too. But. I know. I do like literary, but so the my bigger thing with with short stories is. They're not long enough. I know that's yeah. very simplistic, but like when I'm getting, by the time I feel like I'm getting into it, it's already ending right. and I want more of that world. And right. the other thing is when I sit down to read, if I have an hour to read or something and maybe I'm, I read one short story in 35 minutes and mm-hmm. then it's like, well, do I just immediately go to the next one? Right. I don't think that's the way you're supposed to experience the short stories right. to go one to the next to the next. But at the same time, yeah. I don't know. It's like, a, it's like an awkward thing. It just doesn't I don't know. fit into your It doesn't fit into my reading practices. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but I actually, one of the books I talked about today, I would read a short story. They were the perfect length um, to read at lunch. And then oh, cool. before I would go to bed at night, I'd typically read one. Mm-hmm. And that worked really well. So I think I just have to rethink the way I read them yeah. and not try to sit down on like a Sunday afternoon and read for two hours an entire collection of short stories. Because right. I don't think that's the way they're intended right. to be read. And I think if you get a, a short story, like I was I was reading up on The Lottery by mm-hmm. Shirley Jackson. Oh, yeah. And you get a short story like that and it just blows your mind. Right, it's right. so, so well done. And she creates such a, a complete world in so few pages. And, mm. and so I, I've had experiences with, with short stories that have really influenced me in, in later reading. Mm. And so it seems dumb that I have this right. image in my head of, of prejudice yeah yeah so I don't know I think I, I think I, I listen to a few podcasts about books and it, and any, anytime they have someone who's very serious they mm-hmm. always are into short, short stories. stories and yeah. so I I just associate those things in my head yeah. so 
that's I should apologize to all short story lovers because yeah. there's nothing wrong with them. It's there just isn't my, anything. It's just my own perception of them. That's exactly, and it, that's all it is too. Because yeah. like the ones we're going to talk about today, I just absolutely love yeah. these. So I don't. I think it's just I have to reverse my thinking on on how I approach these. I know there's somebody uh, podcast that I listened to, and he was going to try to read in between every book that he would finish. He'd mm-hmm. read a short story, oh. which I was like, well, that's a really good idea because yeah. then that gives you kind of a breath before you're diving into a new 400 page book or however long it is. And a good way to read them because you're not trying to read a bunch back to back. Anyway, let's go ahead and get started with our suggestions this week. What's your first one? Okay. My first book is the unfinished world by Amber Sparks. And it's after, it's kind of funny after complaining about literary short stories, this is the most similar to that style um, of any of the, the books I'll be talking about. This is one that I still really enjoyed though, because it, the tone is very much up my alley. It's kind of, um, when I was writing these though, I was, I was thinking it's hard to describe a short story collection because you can't really get into the plot of, mm. of the short story. So, so I'll more talk about tone right. overall. And in this this collection, each story is telling um, about a world that's a little off kilter and a little fantastical. And, and that's very much my thing. So mm-hmm. there are, I'll just tell you about a couple that I, I particularly enjoyed. There's one that's, I, I can't remember the title. It's almost nearly the entire plot, but it's about 13 different methods a time, tra- a time traveler uses to stop an artist from creating a painting. And you, mm-hmm. you don't understand until the very last little bit of why this is so vitally important that, that she does this. But the story itself is just a few paragraphs long, and she's able to con- Amber Sparks is able to convey all of this information in just these few paragraphs. And to me, that's what is really impressive mm-hmm. about a short story mm-hmm. when you can get the across. Economy of, yeah, yeah, it's just so impressive. And and so that was one that I thought was really cool. And there's another story in this collection that's a retelling of the Wild Swans, which if you're not familiar with that mm-hmm. um, fairy tale, it's about a girl. There's lots of um, Lots of things that happen in the book or in the story, but basically a girl is trying to weave shirts for her brothers who have been turned into swans by a witch. Oh. And then um, this is the only way that she can save them and, and turn them back into humans. And of course there's a, a prince involved and it's just mm-hmm. lots of typical uh, uh, fairy tale tropes. But this story, it takes the basic uh, plot of that fairy tale and sort of amps up the horror of the transformation from human to swan mm-hmm. and explores the horrible things this the sister has to do in order to make this um in order to save her brothers and the happily ever after element in the story is still there but it's turned into something really dark mm-hmm. and so i like things that take the familiar and make them Uh, sort of explore Mm -hmm. other avenues within those things so I I thought those were both really cool stories I think that like I was saying there's it's kind of hard to describe the plots of these of these uh, short stories and usually I focus on things that are um, even in novel form I like things that are focused on plot and character Mm -hmm. and beautiful language is kind of an added bonus Mm -hmm. but I don't typically read things because I'm I'm so obsessed with the language Mm -hmm. choices. Uh, But this is a book where you really want to savor the writing and the author uses language in really interesting ways. And I kind of thought of it as listening to um, like ambient music Mm -hmm. versus something really, really driving because it just sort of was based on feelings and and tone. And so, so I liked it for that. It it was definitely not my typical reading experience. So it was, it was really cool. I would describe it as imaginative and dark and moody and ethereal and a little bit strange. And that's my thing. And so <laughs> I, I liked jam. it. So, yeah. So I think it's worth, um, if you choose to read this, it's worth taking your time to to read these mm-hmm. stories and not try to push through them. Like you were saying, it's, it's definitely not a collection where you want to just 
hit them all at mm-hmm. once. So, mm-hmm. but they're really they're really beautiful. And that is the Unfinished World by Amber Sparks. Uh, so my first one is You Know When the Men Are Gone by Siobhan Fallon. And this is a collection of stories about the women and families who are at Fort Hood waiting at home while their spouses are deployed. And, you know, I know that there could potentially be men at home when women are deployed or men when other men are deployed or whatever. Right. <laughs> but in this collection, she's focusing on the women that are left left behind. And though they're all fictional stories, you really can tell that they're rooted in the truth and when after I read them I went and looked and the author has experience living at Fort Hood when her husband was deployed oh, okay. so I felt like she definitely captured that feeling <laughs> that that exists and there is an interconnectivity of the stories I know books like Olive Kitteridge you know are almost like a novel in short yeah. stories this isn't quite that there there is some crossover between the characters but not as much as a book that is intended, I would say, mm-hmm. to be to be a novel and stories, but it still felt like one cohesive picture of what life is like at Fort Hood, and it's made up of eight individual stories. I feel like there's been a lot written in the last ten years or so, maybe, about soldiers fighting in the Middle East, but this one, because it focuses on the families that are home while that is all happening, mm-hmm. it was a unique take on it, and I thought it really. She excelled at evoking the sense of loneliness and isolation that comes from being left behind mm-hmm. and waiting, and also the the lifestyle that they have of having to pick up and move so often. So people are constantly coming and going from the picture of of your life. As you're living, you make these connections with people, and there there's a support network there, but then people are constantly leaving at the same time right. for various reasons. It, it was insight into a world that I that I don't have, although I do have a good friend who is the child of somebody who was a military, career military person, and then now is married to somebody in the military. So through her, I've gotten a, a taste of this. And in fact, I recommended this book to her. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, so uh, fun. this was kind of fun. I had This came out, I think, about five years ago maybe six years ago and um, at the time I was working at our Hilton Head Branch Library and I did all the ordering there for the adults and a woman came in and requested that a book be purchased which isn't unusual and she said the title of it which was this you know when the men are gone by Siobhan Fallon and I said oh yeah I've heard great things about it. it's getting really good reviews and I have it on order and she said that's my daughter or daughter-in-law I don't remember wow. now which it was but she was a relation to Siobhan Fallon so I thought that that was just so cool that's that I, really cool you know because sometimes when that happens and they say oh it's my child you know it's like a self-published right, book or right, something right. and this was also kind not of, uncommon yeah this was kind of fun because it was one that was getting all these great reviews and I was kind of excited for it anyway yeah. and then it had a local connection so I thought That's that was really cool. fun but anyway it's uh, I just thought it was really a well-done look at what life is like for these these women and families who are waiting sort of just in limbo while while their husbands are gone mm-hmm. so that is you know when the men are gone by Siobhan Fallon very cool that brings up a question I was going to ask you. What do you think it is a book of linked short stories mm. still a short story collection, or is that would you include that in this? No. Yeah, I feel I, the same I way. didn't for this. Yeah, yeah, I did for the this same because thing. I I considered these like disparate stories. Right. Yeah, versus something like like I mentioned, Olive Kitteridge, which yeah. I would like if we didn't. I don't know books about Maine or something that would <laughs> that would be when I would talk about Olive Kittredge almost like a novel yeah because they all f- revolve around one singular character but right. there are certain stories in that collection where she barely makes an appearance hmm. yeah so I don't I, know. I, I feel it's hard to distinguish yeah I whenever we talked about award winners mm. I talked about Midwinter Blood and that's right. linked short stories right. and I, I purposely 
I thought about doing it for this mm-hmm. uh, this episode, and I thought, no, that's I don't think of it that way. I, I don't think of those as short stories, even though they are. So that's a good question. Yeah, it's interesting how we we as librarians, we at least yeah. we always are kind of or, categorizing things right. in ways that maybe aren't the ways other people right. would think. So right. It's just interesting. But yeah, if somebody came in asking for a collection of short stories. I don't think I would hand them a book that was what I would consider a novel right. and short stories. Right. Yeah. Or like. Yeah, visit from the Goon Squad. Did you ever read that? I haven't read yeah, it. Yeah, and that's yeah. not really short stories, but that's uh, kind of the same thing. Yeah, like it's not a linear narrative. Or, what's the name of it? This is how you lose her. Oh that yeah, I almost talk, well, I did almost talk about this is how you lose her because I would is, consider that short stories. Oh, okay, interesting. But they're not. Now that you're saying that, it's kind of oh. not. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I love categorization I, questions. They're so fun. <laughs> uh, and one thing I was going to mention is I was very torn between talking about redeploy redeployment by phil clay or this book you know when the men are gone and i actually think they make great companion pieces because one is about the people who are actually deployed and this one is about the people who are who are at home yeah that sounds uh, that'd be a good book club book club Um, yeah that's what i was thinking you read them both for a a book club and then have a discussion that'd be very cool Um, all right what's your next one my next book is one more thing stories and other stories by bj novak and you may have heard of B.J. Novak because he's a pretty, pretty famous actor and screenwriter. Um, he wrote and acted on The Office, and he's had roles in various movies and has lately been publishing books. Um, he had a book a couple of years ago that was very, very popular. That was The Book With No Pictures, mm-hmm. which if you have a young child in your life, it's worth it to read that to them. They will love you forever if you do. So. <laughs> Um, and this book, uh, One More Thing, came out the same year as the book with no pictures. So 2014 was a big writing year for B.J. Novak. And usually when I see celebrity fiction, I sort of think of it as a vanity project mm-hmm. and I avoid it. Um, but I really enjoyed this and I was really glad that I, I picked this up. And I feel like I read somewhere that he always intended to be a writer and the acting yeah, thing was just a, sort of like... Yeah, he's that just sort of fell, fell into, into his lap or something. Right. I don't know. I yeah. don't, maybe I'm making that up. Well, he didn't start on the office as a, a actor. Right, he started, started as a writer. Yeah, like so. Mindy Kaling did too. Oh, and then best they had <laughs> their best friends now. So this, because he has this this humor background, you can imagine what the tone of these stories. There, I thought it was a really really fun collection to read, and they cover all kinds of subjects, but they usually have some sort of absurdity to them. So th- just a, a couple that I'll cover. Um, there's a there's a story about a man who tries to find his beloved grandmother who died when he was nine um, in heaven. And so once he's died, he goes to, to try to find her. But things don't turn out at all the way he envisioned in their meeting, which is a really, really funny story. Maybe a little off color. So <laughs> yeah. be prepared. There's also a transcript from the Comedy Central roast of Nelson Mandela, which is very, very funny. But there's also stories that are just um, kind of sweet and, and things that are are light but but not necessarily laugh out loud funny but he does a really good job of identifying small details that add subtle humor to a situation so so like in the the mandela roast he he talks about a comedian who tries to make a crude gesture at someone um but the camera cuts away before he's able to do that so he just looks silly and if you watch television at all and you you appreciate those small details of of things that are sort of throwaway things Mm -hmm. but but sort of make a a viewing experience if you catch them then this book is always really smart about those types of details and and i really like that he finds those things in in uh in his stories it's full of wry observations on how people interact with each other and he's particularly good at skewering um the way hipsters will present themselves but he does it without being cheap and he doesn't he, it's making fun of them, but but in a good humored kind mm-hmm. of way. It's it's just very very observant. Mm-hmm. 
And I, I'm always really pleased with comedy that shows how intelligent the comedian is. And you are always aware that he's a very smart man Mm -hmm. um, as you're reading these stories, but he doesn't come off as pretentious at all. Um, There have been some other collections I will not name that, that I have looked at where I just thought this is someone that's, that's just trying to show off Mm -hmm. and, and they're, they're feeling pretty smug about their writing. Mm -hmm. And this didn't come off that way to Uh me at all. I I thought it was really um, just, just good intention, Mm -hmm. I guess. So like I said before, some of these stories can be a little bit crude. So Mm. be aware of that if that's something that bothers you. Um, But for the most part, they're full of smart humor that will impress you and Mm -hmm. with their subtlety. And I thought it was really fun. That is One More Thing by BJ Novak. And I've heard the audiobook is really good. Oh, did you listen? Different people uh, reading them. Oh, cool. Different celebrities from my understanding. All his celebrity friends. All his celebrity friends. Um, All right. My next one is Fortune Smiles by Adam Johnson. And this won the National Book Award for Fiction in 2015. And I'm not exactly sure how to describe this collection because (laughs) like you said, for your first one, you can't really talk about the stories because there are too many of them. Yeah. We'd be here for an hour if I described each story. And and the stories here are really diverse. Um, They range. There's one about a Nazi war criminal kind of reflecting on his past. Mm -hmm while also trying to get his wife back. Uh, there's a, one about a man who deals with his wife's failing health by creating an app where people can talk to the virtual president who has re- recently been assassinated. And then there's one about a man in New Orleans uh, post-Hurricane Katrina searching for the mother of his son after his son has just been kind of left with him. And then the title story features two North Koreans who have recently defected to South Korea and they're trying to adjust to that. So That's all over the place. It's all over the place. They were fascinating, though. Very darkly humorous. There mm-hmm. is a little bit of humor to be found, but it's very dark and sad. There's always kind of a sense of loss in each of them or of like searching for somebody or losing somebody. And they're all a little bit strange, a little bit to the left of center, mm-hmm. like off kilter. Um, but I found them completely absorbing and very intriguing. And I really found his writing to be engrossing. In fact, he had written a book a few years ago that also, I believe, won the National Book Award for Fiction uh, called The Orphan Master's Son that oh, takes okay. place in North Korea. And so now it makes me want to pick that up because I just really enjoyed his writing style. So I kind of was with him for the ride, even though Mm -hmm. the stories, I was kind of like, I'm not sure what I'm reading here. (laughs) Like, I'm not sure where this short story is going. Um, But I just thought that they were really compelling. Um, And that is Fortune Smiles by Adam Johnson. My last book is The Bloody Chamber by Angela Carter. And after talking about The Unfinished World, I'm like, oh, this is the same type of book. So sorry, everybody. You know, you know what I like. Um, when I was um, I was thinking about this book ahead of time and at the same time was looking at my pop sugar reading challenge. Mm-hmm. And one of the, the challenges on there is reading a book that is guaranteed to bring you joy. And this is completely <laughs> I just wrote this in because I knew I would love it. Um, I had read a little bit of Angela Carter in the past and I and I don't think I'd read this collection before, but but I knew that her writing style was really something I enjoyed. Mm-hmm. So. Um, she is famous. She's a, a British writer who died in 1992 at the age of 52, but she had a very prolific career in a very short time. And she um, she became famous for her kind of gothic, um, eerie writing style. Mm-hmm. And she will often use fairy tale tropes or, or rewrite fairy tales in her collections. Or in, I, I think she's written. Yeah, she's definitely written novels as well. So. Mm-hmm. Um, but this collection is a rewriting of famous short stories or sorry, famous fairy tales, <laughs> <laughs> which. Um, even though the writing in them is so beautiful and amazing, it's there's something really nice about m- reading something familiar and mm. you, you sort of know what you're getting into um, with these these stories. The 
title story, The Bloody Chamber, is a retelling of Bluebeard. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're not familiar with that, that's a French folktale about an aristocrat who marries several times only to have each wife disappear. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to really tell you the ending, but that's that's basically what happens. And in this version, it's full of dark symbolism and dread. And there's not really a happily ever after to these stories. There's They may have a happy ending, but each character is really deeply affected by what they've been through. And the story is often focused on disturbing elements that are sort of glossed over in the original versions of these fairy tales. They'll take things like the sex and violence that's really whitewashed in, in the originals, and those become really prominent in these stories so even though it's not really graphic i still wouldn't give this book to kids Mm -hmm. at all it's Mm -hmm. it's not meant for them the language because it's focused or or because it covers so much sex and violence the language is really focused on the physical so you're always aware of blood and fur and claws and and skin and there's just very uh, you're always aware of the body Mm -hmm. in, in these stories and I think that if I had read this this uh, collection in college, I would have just died with happiness. It would have been so much fun to pull apart because I, even reading it, there were there were lots of allusions to things that I understood, but there are all kinds of things that I'm sure I'm missing. And I know that writers are doing that right now too, but there's something just kind of antiquated about her writing style that makes it feel like it's it's just this perfectly preserved moment of like like people don't write this way anymore. Even though I know that they do, it still feels very very just of a different time. And I, I really appreciate that. When I was uh, talking to my best friend about this book, she, I was telling her how I thought she would really enjoy this. And I was trying to describe how it felt to read it. And the only description I could come up with is, was uh, feeling like a drunk bee that had just finished drinking a bunch <laughs> of nectar. And I was just sort of like, like hazy so and bopping sated. around. Yeah. Like it was just so satisfying, but sort of um, almost dizzying. Mm-hmm it to read it it's just the language is so 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 beautiful and and you get the perfect combination of plot plus language Mm -hmm. and i i just adore this (laughs) so they're very very short stories the book is only about 120 pages long so it's um it's easily read Mm -hmm. Uh, and that's the bloody chamber by angela carter i wish you all could see the big smile on Anne's face (laughs) as she describes this book she loves this book Um, All right, my last one is In the Country by Mia Alvar, and these are nine stories about Filipinos searching uh, for a place to call home, and some are emigrating from the Philippines to the United States or to Saudi Arabia, and some stay in the Philippines or return home after uh, time away. One of my issues with short stories that I mentioned earlier is that you can left or I personally can be left feeling like there's more that I'm not getting, or like I've just kind of gotten into the story into the characters and then it's abruptly ending and I I really did not feel that way at all with this book and really all the three that I talked about all the three collections I talked about today didn't feel that way but this one in particular felt like complete complex worlds in each individual short stories and three-dimensional characters and and satisfying stories within you know maybe 30 or 40 pages each. And the author was born in Manila, but then raised in Bahrain and New York, and then went to school at Harvard and Columbia. So she captures the experience of people who live in places other than their own countries and what that brings to the experience of living in a different place and, and kind of a longing for a home and and what that means. And all the stories feature some aspect of the difference between what you believe to be true versus what actually is, um, what you kind of build up in your mind as being the truth and then realizing 
the reality of turning that perception upside down. And then also I, the face that we present to each other uh, versus who we really are and conversely the expectations we have for other people versus who they really are. So there was a, really a lot to unpack in each of these yeah. stories. And it's amazing to me. This is her first book as far as I know, very assured and confident in the writing and the storytelling. And it, I was just absolutely enraptured. It's called In the Country by Mia Alvar. So we will be right back with what we're reading this week. I just finished a book called Maestra by Ellis Hilton, and this is one that I talked about in the spring book preview episode. Um, I think it just barely released, and it's being called Gone Girl Meets the Talented Mr. Ripley Meets Fifty Shades of Grey, which is pretty accurate in terms of plot, um, not so much in style. And it's about a woman named Judith, Judith Rashley, who works as a low-level employee at a prestigious London art auction house. She's extremely well-educated and knowledgeable, but she's constantly disrespected by her buffoon of a boss, and she's barely making ends meet financially. And you don't get a lot of detail, but you know that she comes from poverty, and she's worked her way up to educate herself both academically and socially. Um, She's gotten rid of her original accent and adopted a new posh accent, and she knows which clothes are the best to indicate status in in, uh, London society. But because she doesn't have the family name or um, a family background to fall on, she, she'll always be on the outside, and she's really resentful of, of that. So she runs into a former high school schoolmate on her way to work. They, they sort of make a connection, and um, through this, this uh, reacquaintance, she begins moonlighting at a seedy gentleman's bar at night, which is basically she's paid to look beautiful and to drink with rich men who are pretending not to be married. So it's maybe not the best life choice, but that's cool. <laughs> to each her own. Yes. And she makes a lot of money doing this. So mm. she, she's finally starting to, to sort of feel like she has some, um, some security in her life and things are really starting to look up for her. But then she realizes that her boss is actually committing fraud at the auction house. And when she questions him on this, she, and she does that pretty innocently, mm. then she's fired. So she doesn't know what to do with herself. She's trying to recover herself and, and trying to figure out what she's going, what her next steps will be. Um, so she turns to one of the, the clients at the bar, and he agrees to take her to the French Riviera for a glamorous, decadent weekend. And while she's there, she begins to really enjoy this lifestyle that she's really just sort of seen from the outside. Mm-hmm. And there's an accident, and she finds herself alone and looking very suspicious. I'm not really giving anything away dun, by dun, telling dun. you this. There's so much more to, to happen in this book. <laughs> So at that point, she decides that she's worked too hard to become a new person and she's not going to lose everything and uh, she'll do anything it takes to retain this this lifestyle and make it a permanent transformation into the person that she's always known she should be. So a little ominous <laughs> there. Um, I have it, to. You said it meets Fifty Shades of Grey. Is it graphics? Uh, yes, yes, I'm getting that to that. Right? Yeah, I have to be honest. There were parts of this I skipped because I don't like sex in books. Mm-hmm. I don't like violence in books. Um, and I didn't realize that going into it. This is something a publisher sent me ahead of time and it's getting a lot of buzz mm-hmm. in librarian circles. So um, so I was really excited to read it and there were parts that really surprised me. Mm-hmm. So if you, I felt like they were pretty obvious when they were coming, mm-hmm. um, but there's a couple of exceptions to that. So if that's something you want to stay away from, then 
then this might not be the book for you. But if you really like psychological fiction, psychological thrillers, then this is a good one. There are lots of good twists and turns. And I personally sort of enjoy the vicarious living of a rich lifestyle through <laughs> books. I, I don't want it in my real life, but I think it's really fun to read those types of books. Um, and I, I, I think I've talked in some episode, one of our episodes about the talented Mr. Ripley. And, yes. and that's one of my absolute yeah. favorite books. Um, this this has elements of that same story in in the book and it's fun to see that yeah. someone being backed into yeah. a corner and the choices that they feel they're forced to make so i feel like you may have talked about that in our very first episode I think so. is that possible I, yeah because i think i talked about it being a bee tree because, because i remember i read so... it last summer because you talked about oh. it and i feel like that was one of the first books we yeah, yeah 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 cool. so it, i don't think it has the same feel as talented mr ripley at all mm-hmm. but it still has some of those same um plot elements mm-hmm. um but even telling you all of that information, there's still twists cool. to come. So it was it was pretty enjoyable. Mm-hmm. I, I think if you like psychological thrillers um, and a domestic thriller, mm-hmm. then you'll like this book. And that is called Maestra by L.S. Hilton. All right. So mine is, that I'm reading this week is Sixth Grave on the Edge by Dorinda Jones. This is number six in the Charlie Davidson series. And this is... I'm just talking all sorts of things out of my comfort zone this week. <laughs> this is not a series that I would ordinarily have thought that I would like. It's a paranormal series uh like a paranormal mystery romance series kind of thing it's about a woman named charlotte davidson also known as charlie and she's a part-time investigator private investigator and she's also the grim reaper so she can see dead people and she encourages them to go into the light um however (laughs) sometimes if these people have met their end through shall we say less than ideal circumstances they might pass on information to her that would help the bad guys be caught basically so Mm -hmm. if they've been murdered they pass on the information to her but of course, only bits of the information to her. So then she has to track down mm-hmm. uh, and do her job as a private investigator. And there's a love interest. I'm not, I'm actually not speaking about this particular book because I'm just talking number about six. the series in general. Yeah, yeah, this is number six. So if you're obsessive like I am about reading books in order, <laughs> I don't want to give anything away. So I'm just talking about the series in general. There is a love interest uh, who is very hot or she describes him as being very hot and he's maybe not exactly what he seems so you meet him in the first book but then as the books go on you learn more and more about him um and then one of the things i like about the series is just that that the personal relationships evolve and progress there are certain book series long-running book series that i feel like you know exactly what you're getting when you pick one up which is fabulous but there aren't there isn't much forward movement in Mm -hmm. the the overarching story. So the if you could read book one and book 10 and the characters are basically in the exact same personal situation as they were, you know, at the beginning in book 10. But this isn't like that. So sh- there are individual mysteries that are take place in each book, but then the overarching storyline of Charlie and her her family and her neighbors and her friends and then her love interest those all progress as the books go along and it's really snarky and fast-paced they're really fun reads this is as we're approaching summer yeah. uh, they're really fun to read if you want something kind of lighter to read at the beach it's a bit racy so again like you were just talking we're about all over book. the place we are all, I know, this, we are uh, it is there you know if you're sensitive to that sort of thing you might want to avoid these but I would say if you like the Stephanie Plum books by Janet Ivanovich Mm -hmm. and you're willing to go a little bit into this paranormal world where you know about Grim Reapers and things with Grim Reaper it sounds kind of dark and depressing and it's not they're very light fun books and and Charlie is a really fun character to just spend time with and so that is Sixth Grave on the Edge by Dorinda Jones that sounds very cool it reminds me of the show iZombie which I very much oh yeah enjoy. I don't watch that but it, it has yeah sort of sort the same, of same idea of yeah someone who is figuring out um 
mysteries. Yeah, yeah. Like what has happened to someone who's died. Right. Um, with a little bit of information right. and having to fill in the blanks. Yeah. So. Yeah. So that's, yeah, I think that's probably a good comparison. And it really, I, I hadn't read one of these in about a year and just picked the sixth one up and it, about halfway through. And it really, I mean, the Stephanie Plum comparison is really apt. Mm-hmm. It's just, they're kind of the same kind of zany, quirky main characters who get into these scrapes and have to get themselves out of them. Yeah. And they're just, they're really fun. So let's go back and mention what all the books we talked about today. Okay. Um, I read The Unfinished World by Amber Sparks, One More Thing, Stories and Other Stories by B.J. Novak, The Bloody Chamber by Angela Carter, and what I read this week was Maestra by L.S. Hilton. All right. And I talked about You Know When the Men Are Gone by Siobhan Fallon, Fortune Smiles by Adam Johnson, In the Country by Mia Alvar, and Sixth Grave on the Edge by Dorinda Jones is the book that I'm reading this week. If you'd like to get in touch with us to give us feedback or a suggestion on a topic you'd like us to discuss, you can email us at wellreadpod at gmail.com or find us on our Facebook page or on Twitter at wellreadpodcast. Uh, please rate and review us on iTunes. Thank you for everybody who has done that so far. We appreciate it very much. Our podcast is engineered by Adam Farver. Our theme music is Kitten by Poddington Bear. We keep our show notes at beefortcountylibrary.org slash wellread, where you can find a listing of every book we talked about in this episode. Thank you all for listening and happy reading.